Grace, mercy, and peace to you this morning from God our Father, his beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who calls us into faith. Today we celebrate one of the most memorable and redemptive events in church history, and it is the commemoration of the Reformation of the Church. And for those of us who have little or no understanding of this celebration, we showed a clip video before the service started to give you a little hint of what this is all about. But I'd like to give you a little synopsis on what it is all about as well. And so it was in the year 1517, there was a German monk by the name of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther. It is from this man that the Lutheran Church came into existence. And we are very proud of the stands that he took at that time. At that time, was, he was a Catholic priest. And his desire to know God for himself moved him away from the normal rituals of the church into a deeper studies of scripture. It was there that he realized that the church had established a new religion. The selling of indulgences was what it was called. In other words, people were given the opportunity to pay a price in order to get rid of their sins. And this was a serious business. Basically, by purchasing an indulgence, an individual could reduce the length and severity of punishment that heaven will require as payment for their sins. And so the idea was that they would reduce the level of punishment by paying for uh, an indulgence. Here the sufferings and dying of Christ had become nullified and the act and works of men were being glorified at this point. It was during the reign of Pope Leo X. Pope Leo X, X rather, became Pope in Rome from 1513 until the day he died in 1521. And so he ruled. And it was under his rule that this whole idea of selling indulgence or indulgences came into existence. And so Pope Leo X wanted to reconstruct the St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. But they did not have enough money for that project. And so the way he came up with the idea that if they sold indulgences, they would probably be able to raise the money to rebuild this temple. And it was in that process that he went and called on Albert of Brandenburg. Albert of Brandenburg, one, of, one winner of the, the privilege of selling indulgences. He was the guy who was really, really good at doing this. So he advertised that his indulgence came with a complete remission of sin, okay? And allowing the escape from all the pains of purgatory was what he said. Moreover, Albert claimed purchasers of indulgences could use them to free a loved one already dead 
from the pain of purgatory that he or she might presently be experiencing while dead. And so people were purchasing it. This, is, this was the, the kind of situation that Dr. Martin Luther had to single-handedly stand against after reading through the book of Romans. Reading through the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, where it talks about uh, how the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And he says in his uh, discourse that salvation only comes by faith in the act and worked of the, the work and act of the cross and not through any other means. It was from this end that Dr. Luther dared to stand up against the papacy by writing the 95 theses defending the true doctrine of the Christian faith and nailing it on the door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany in October, on October 31st, 1517. Today we celebrate 504 years since this event took place in Wittenberg, Germany. Today is the celebration of that. In 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11, Paul writes, For no one can lay any, any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. No one can lay any other foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Here Paul informs us that nothing else does it. Nothing else pays for man's sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ pays for our sins. He died on the cross so that we may have life. The apostle Paul lets us know that man is a totally depraved creature. There is absolutely no good in him at all. Everything he touches is tarnished by the sin that fills his being, and he is wretched in the sight of God. Well, as the text continues to unfold before us, Paul continues his line of thinking, but he shifts directions on us. He gives us a concluding thought concerning the old man, and he begins to take or talk rather about the new creature that Jesus makes when he saves the sinner. It is that new saved fellow that we want to consider this morning. So with that in mind, let's consider this passage and think for a while about the new man in my mirror. The new man in my mirror, as we, we will see, he in what he used to be. And of course, he didn't make himself this new person, but he was made this new person by God. So the first thing I want us to pull out of our second reading this morning, which is from Romans chapter 3, is that this uh, new man in the mirror was a ruined man. He was a ruined man. Look at Romans 3 verses 19 20. It says, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world will uh, uh, be held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sins. 
The text tells us that this man was declared a sinner under the law. The Lord shows the sinner who he really is. The Lord shows the sinner who he really is. The text also tells us that this man is damned under the law. The law is like a mirror. When you get in to look at your mirror in the bathroom before leaving the house, it tells you the kind of blemishes that you need to take care of, particularly for the women. None of you make up your face without looking in the mirror. You need the mirror so that you'll see the blind spots that you have and correct it. We men get in the mirror to shave, and we need to look at the mirror to do a proper shaving so that we can look good. And so the mirror is very essential in our life, daily living. And for some of you women, if I check in your purses right now, you have a mirror in there. What you do is you look at yourself as you go through the day and make sure that every spot is taken care of. Well, you see, this is exactly what it is, the law. When God gives man the law, and as we gaze at the law, it only shows us how terrible we are. It shows us how bad we are, and it shows us how there is always a need for a savior. There is always a need for a God who is able to take us away from this plague of sin, that we cannot do it on our own. So that's what the law does. The law condemns us. And this is why Paul writes in Romans 7, that the things I want to do, I don't find myself doing it. The things I don't want to do are the things that I keep doing. Who shall deliver me now from this power of sin and death? He says, thank God for Jesus Christ. And I hope all of us in this room this morning would agree with Paul and say together, thank God for Jesus Christ. Because think about it, if it hadn't been for him and the dying that he died and the death brought his blood for, to pay for our redemption, if he hadn't done that, just think of where we would be today. If it wasn't for the old rocket cross, tell me where the church would be today. But the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all our sins. Give God a hand of praise this morning. So we found during Martin Luther's day, ruined men trying to save people just like them. Ruined men trying to save people who were just like them. One of the things that is very helpful and healthy for our, our spiritual life is to remember where God took us from. We have to always remember where God took us from. We were dead in our trespasses and God brought us to life. We were dead in our sins, and God brought us to new life. It is only him who has done it. So we have seen a ruined man. Now let's look at how this man is a redeemed man. In Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26 reads, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testified. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all, all, all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God 
and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Now look here, the Roman man has now become a redeemed man. Why? Because he has experienced faith. The text reads that this righteousness is given through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. To all who believe. This implies that salvation cannot be earned. Why? Because he has experienced faith and it cannot be earned. It cannot be earned. You cannot work to get it. We can buy it because that's already been paid for on the cross. God knew that man cannot pay for salvation. There is nothing on the earth that is quali qualified enough, that is of good quality, that is able to pay for the sins of man. And because when God looked and could not find anything, it is the reason why he came down. He had to come down and rescue us from this peril of sin and death because we could not do it on our own. Redemption comes only by, by, by believing in the works of Christ. And that's why we see the Apostles' Creed in our worship service, uh, services every morning. Many churches have fallen away from that. That's the confession of our faith. And one component of it talks about Jesus Christ. I believe in Jesus Christ, that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered on a Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day, he came back to life and ascended into heaven, all right, and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. That's what we believe. He's coming back. And he would judge the living and the dead. And so we wait for that time. But while we wait, we look to him in faith for our new life. We don't look to ourselves. I get sick of people who say they're going to clean up and then come to church. How can you clean it up? If you could do that, Jesus would not have died. If we could do it on our own, he wouldn't have gone to that cross and shed his blood. But he died because you and I could not do it. He came in our place and did it for us. So by believing in Christ's work, the ruined man becomes a redeemed man through the act of what? Imputation. What that is, is God declares the sinner righteous. What Jesus did was he took our robe of sin and put it on and took his robe of righteousness and put it on us. That's what he did when he went on that cross to die for our sins. He made that exchange. And all who look to the work that he did on the cross enjoy eternal life, enjoy the grace and the love and the peace that he brings to all of us. You see, this is the reason why I just keep falling in love with him. I can't stop falling in love with Jesus because what he did is beyond my comprehension. It's beyond our comprehension. Men, can, men have not grasped any understanding of this. We're still trying to wrestle or figure out what this is all about. And we were saying, because we're used to working for everything. We're used to earning everything. We go to work and we make money. You, you don't work, you don't eat. You don't work, you don't get money. You have to work to get money. And so we earn 
and work for everything. That's the tendency that we carry in our minds. And so to get this glorious grace and gift that Jesus brings to us without us doing anything for it, it's just too hard to comprehend. But folks, I must tell you this morning, it is true. It is only by faith. We, don't, we cannot rationalize it. It is only by faith that we understand it, that Jesus came and died so that you and I can live. We must understand it. So it's just like the prodigal son. He told his daddy, look, you know what? It's time to leave this house. I'm going to go out on my own. I just need you to give me all that you have for me, and I'm going to be out of here. The dad said, look, you don't know nothing about managing. You don't know anything about how to accrue a, a, a wealth. So stay a little bit more, and I'm going to teach you. He says, no, I'm, I'm leaving. Dad gave him what he wants or what he had for him, left the house. He went out there, and he used up everything because he did not know how to manage. And next thing you know, he remembered that uh, I need to go back home. You know that story is awesome. That story speaks to all of us. Every single person on the authority of my voice, everybody out there in the world, you know, there is a lacking inside of us. We come to that point as we drift and walk away from God, there is a lacking inside of us. There is a need that needs to be filled. And the only one person that can occupy that space is God himself, our creator. We were created in his image and likeness. He placed a part of him in us. And so when he is absent out of the life of a person, there is a gap that we long for to be filled. So no matter how rich a person gets, without Christ, there is an emptiness inside of them that needs to be filled. No matter how, 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 how prestigious a person can get or how educated a person can get, there is always a wanting and a lack inside of us. There is always a need for, for God because while he placed inside of every man his image and his likeness. So the son said, I'm going to go back home to my father and tell him, Father, I'm not worthy to be here. Just make me one of your hired servants. He gets to the, to the, to the house or almost at the house. Father looks and sees him coming at a distance, runs to meet him. He meets the son. And as he meets him, the son begins to confess. The father is not even waiting for him to complete his confession. He is putting rings on him, putting garment on him, changing everything on him at that very moment. That story talks to us and tells us that as we come to Jesus in confession and we confess our sins and come and fall before his throne of grace, instantly, immediately, whoever does that look into the cross of Christ is saved at that moment. It's saved at that moment. He doesn't take a long time to do that. He doesn't go and think about it. Remember the thief on the cross. Lord, remember me when you go into your kingdom. Jesus immediately said, today, not tomorrow, not I'm going to think about this. Let me pray on this. But today, you will be with me in paradise. That applies to all of us. Everyone who comes to God in faith enjoys the same privilege. So we talked about the ruined man. We talked about the redeemed man. Lastly, they talk about a righteous man. This man in the mirror becomes a righteous man. In Romans 3, 27 through 31 reads, Where then is boasting? It is ex ex excluded because 
Of what? Of what law? The law that requires works. No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who would justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. So he has a new relationship with the law now. This ruined man becomes a righteous man, and as he becomes a redeemed man first, then becomes a righteous man. As he becomes a righteous man, he has a new relationship with the law. The relationship he had with the law prior to his redemption was kind of different. He was trying to earn salvation. He was trying to earn his way to God. He was trying to work his way up to God. But now through uh, redemption, now he is a righteous man. And in this righteousness, he has a new relationship with the law. According to Paul, in these verses, the new man knows that he ain't saved by keeping the law anymore. He is saved by a pure faith. All right? It is a pure faith that saves us and not by keeping the law. There are two types of righteousness in the world today, or two types of religions, rather, in the world today. The two types of religions that are in the world today are the do and the done religions. Listen to this. The do and the done religion. The do religion is man in his effort trying to make it into heaven. So he's doing everything that he can to make it into heaven. If you went down the streets in Baltimore and, and you, you, you tried to interview people and you tried to talk to them about what do they think about heaven and salvation? Do you think you, if you die, you're going to go to heaven? Why do you think God is going to take you in heaven? They tell you, well, you know, I have not killed anybody. I don't rob nobody. I like everybody. They start telling you about the stuff that the law requires. But the law does not save, my friends. Salvation is in only Jesus Christ. No, there's no one that is righteous, no, not one, except those who have their righteousness in Jesus Christ. The done religion, the do religion is trying to make it to heaven. The done religion is a man, is, 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 is man who comes and he is looking up to God by faith, trusting in the finished works of the cross to make it into heaven. Here he agrees that it is done. He agrees that the work is done, it is finished, and righteousness is imputed unto him. So he walks with this in his heart. And at this point, instead of living for our salvation, instead of living for it, we now live out our salvation. That's where righteousness comes in. The Bible is not, Paul asked the question, he says here, do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all, rather, we uphold the law. Now we are able to uphold the Lord through the righteousness that Jesus brings in our lives. What this means is, I live righteously because I have been made righteous. 
okay, which is different from the other times when I was not righteous and was trying to keep up with the righteous laws. But now I have been made righteous by faith. God's spirit lives in my heart. And because his spirit lives in my heart, I have inside of me the ability and the capacity to do what God wanted me to do before that I could not do. Now I'm able to do it. So now because of this righteousness that has been imputed into my heart and into my life, I am now able to live out my salvation in a righteous way. See the difference? So it is not like it was before. We're not working to get to heaven. We have been placed into heaven, even though we're still on earth, but we are all citizens of heaven. And being citizens of heaven, we carry that mark of ownership as we walk in the world. And we let the evil one know that he cannot steal us because God has possessed us. And we belong to God now and forever and for all eternity. So that what this means is, I live righteously because I've been made righteous in Christ's righteousness. My righteousness is in Jesus Christ. So I have a new life. That's what scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. You may not believe that or know that or whatever it is, but when Christ comes in your heart, you have a new life. Anyone, all right, who comes to Christ has a new life. And I have a new desire because the new life comes with a new desire. And the new desire is to live out our faith and to live for God. That's the new desire that it brings. And then I have a new mind, a new mind through studying the word of God as we do weekly here in our church through the different groups, uh, Bible study groups. We study the word of God. Our minds become new. We have a new mind and we have new purpose in life. Our purposes become different from what it used to be before we start to follow or pursue the Lord. Now it's different. I have a new mind, new desire, new purpose to fulfill in life. And that's what makes me to be set apart. That's what makes the light of Christ to shine in my heart and in my life as I walk the streets and interact with people. To see this new life attitude in me because why uh, I have a different purpose. My purpose is not what it used to be before. Many Americans do not know what they have as born citizens of this great country. They don't know. They really don't know because they haven't seen the other side of the world. They haven't seen what people, how people live on the other side of the world. And I drive up and down these streets and I, and I see American citizens. There are people outside of America longing to come in here and make their lives better. You have citizens, born United States citizens, walking up and down the streets and have no purpose. It is a sad thing to see. But this is what's happening. And this is exactly what it is for a Christian who is walking in his faith and have no purpose at all. Because he doesn't know how great this salvation is. He doesn't know about this righteousness that God has given us. He doesn't know about the life of faith. And he's living his life without it. And trying to make it to heaven somehow. When Jesus has done the work. And so just like the early church. They didn't know of the glorious blessing they had been giving through uh, the works of Christ. So they were, they were made to buy their forgiveness. 
Because they didn't understand that back in the days, the Bibles were closed and they were not allowed to read the Bible. It was only the priests that read the Bible. And so the common people did not have access to it, to see these things, to know it for themselves. But we thank God for men like Dr. Martin Luther, who stood up against that ideology and brought the church right back and set her back on her foundation, that foundation that Jesus established. It is from where we find ourselves today. We've come a mighty long way, 504 years after that happened. Today, the church is back on her foundation. We are standing on the promises of Jesus Christ, Christ the King, and we will stay there until he comes back. We thank the Lord for this great transition. And I thank the Lord Jesus for a man like Martin Luther, who, though he won through his one act, brought us back to where we are at. And I pray that all of us will look at ourselves today in the mirror, and as we do, which is the word of God, we will see not the old man, but this new man in the mirror that has been made new through the finished work that Jesus worked on the cross. I pray that these words from God this morning would encourage your hearts and keep you steadfast in your faith, knowing that Jesus will never bring you this far and leave you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen.